Shovel, an arts and music podcast. Today I speak with India-based indie cartoonist Banu Pratap. Enjoy. I think we're good. Yeah, sounds good. All right, so it's is it midnight in India? No, no, no. It's it's actually I think we messed up the timing a little bit mm-hmm. because it's it's six. Uh, it's quarter to seven in the evening. It's six forty-five p.m. Oh. Yeah, I think maybe it wasn't twelve hours. Maybe it was like ten hours. Are you on the the east side of the east coast? I'm the East Coast, New Jersey. Oh, yeah. maybe, maybe that's why. I think it's the other side, which is like 12 hours. Close California, to California. It's two hours difference. Or... Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. it's, uh, it's yeah. just easy. Yeah, yeah, it's easy. It's, easy. it's not easy. And you, you were born in India? Uh, yes, I've been in India all of my life. And wh- what is it... Uh... Are there other comic artists in India that you hang out with? Oh, uh, there are a few. It's not a big scene. Yeah. Uh, but there are a few. And like now, I think in the past decade or so, like there has been, like every now and then, there are like new comics, indie comics, which keep coming up. And, but like it's kind of strange because like, there is a history of comics in India, like a properly like nice history, but then there is this thing where like a whole lot of like there's not a whole lot of intergenerational kind of connection. So like there were comics in the sixties where like a lot of talent and a lot of stuff didn't get passed on till the eighties and nineties and then there was like a boom in the nineties. Which again died down like in the two thousand then there was early 2000 kind of boom which again died down and then into the like so every like decade or like 15 odd years like something happens but then for whatever reasons like people are not able to sustain it and then it dies down and then somebody kind of finds comics again so like in in the 60s and 70s a lot of it was children's comics and newspaper like you know the cartoon strips and those kind of uh magazine like we had our versions of mad magazines and those kind of things Mm -hmm. which kind of like which was there till the 90s but it was like on the downswing and then in the 90s we had our own superhero like which was very similar to dc etc etc like and even image that kind of where people like uh were making it was straight up superhero and and if I remember well, there were comics which would sell in the millions. I mean, of course, that has to do with the population and the price point. But there were comics which would sell, like, properly in millions in India. Really? But then, yeah, like, it was, I mean, I, I think, especially in the North, like, anybody, so I'm 36, I'll be 36, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, almost anybody my age or around my age, we all know, like, Raj comics and Tulsi comics and we know like the big superheroes from our generation uh, when we were kids but then it kind of died down due to a lot of reasons I think one was just that printing was getting expensive and you know uh, like the biggest buyers were kids who couldn't afford it and even also I think probably had to do with the internet and like us getting international comics which looked better and were more popular and like those kind of things yeah plus we also just i think in the mid 90s we also got cartoon network and so before that we had some national like television which would have those saturday morning sunday morning cartoons those kind of things but yeah with cartoon so, network it was just yeah so yeah I noticed a lot of the references you make are for towards American comics. So is that more influential? The, the stuff you were reading that 
was it more influential for you than the Indian comics you were reading? Mm, I think after point, yes, because so sadly, a lot of it is not uh, like the archiving isn't great. So it's hard to kind of look back on what it was and how we were like, obviously, like, I think there was something about the production quality and the, the way things were being done. Like in, at that time, like, I think everybody kind of, I think it was even in America, people in the 90s said like comics, even mainstream comics were doing something interesting. Yeah. Like there was something which was happening and it, it it could have been that, but like there was definitely some uh, affinity to the superhero, and obviously, like there aren't as big as like Super Commander Drew, that's an Indian superhero, or Nagraj. Well, they were kind of rehash or like not exactly bootlegs, but like there was in some way heavily inspired by like the Superman, the Spider Man, and the Batman, like. So Raj, so basically like uh, Nagraj was just this guy who would basically instead of webbings, he would like snakes would come out of his hand because he was made a snake. So like it was very kind of could have been very interesting, like especially from my body horror kind of point of view. But then he was just a Spider-Man guy who just could climb onto walls because snakes can apparently climb onto walls and he would have oh, okay. webbings which were snakes instead. That's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome, but like they never did anything with it outside of just like copying uh, Spider-Man, etc. Like, so, yeah. so yeah, like it was in that weird space where I think uh, you could see the difference, and obviously, I think there is the whole like American culture that that again is like all over the world. Like you are fascinated by American culture, like you can't do away with that. So I think it had to do with a bunch of these things kind of coming at the same time, like the printing becoming expensive. So, uh, and uh, like in the 90s, by the way, we had a very similar, uh, do you know what lending libraries are? Like for Legos? I don't so, think so, no. So it's, it's basically like in Japan and in, so in Japan in the 1950s, 60s, you could just like borrow a manga and like it would be very very cheap so in india till the 90s we had that like you could like kids could go to a comic shop right. just borrow a thing it would be like one rupee is what one eight like back then it was i think uh, one us dollar was uh, 80 bucks so it was like one eightieth of a dollar or like even lesser than that when we were kids. So you literally like instead of buying like a candy or whatever, you just go and borrow a comic and read it and then give it back. So there was this whole kind of micro economy at work, which was it wasn't a micro, it was more like a cottage industry economy kind yeah. of thing, which was kind of there. And, and you it kind were, of slowed down. Yeah. You were interested in comics from a young age? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think Not, so. So Some like, of uh, my first drawings were like of Indian superheroes, etc. Uh -huh. Well, you also make paintings, right? Yeah, I did. So, I think, it, yeah, so basically, I was interested in comics, but, uh, like, like, I tried when I was, I think, after school, basically, I didn't finish schooling, etc. So, I had to decide what I had to do. So I tried, I remember, <laughs> this is, this is, might be interesting for you. Uh, so I remember, I think I was 16 or 17, and I used to be on the Spawn, uh, mm -hmm. their comic forum. Mm -hmm. And I remember I would put like some of my drawings. And I think as comic fans, a lot of people would like just tell me not to attempt drawing in comics at all. Mm -hmm. Because I was, you know, like, oh, you're not good. So, so I remember kind of just, thinking to myself, oh, I might as well like learn to draw. Like, and it kind of makes some sense, but not really. I mean, it doesn't make sense to tell a 16, 17 year old kid, like, you know, good. Like it's a, so from there I decided to like learn to draw like properly, like do my figure drawings and anatomy and all that. And through there basically, I kind of got interested, uh, 
I think more in the drawing aspect of it, which I think still like, like now I think it's back to where like writing and drawing are in terms of my like compulsion, they're pretty equal. But the, at that time, it felt like I could do more with drawing, you know. Uh, so basically, I just followed that line of thought. And I, but I didn't want to do illustration. I didn't want to do like paid work initially. So I went into painting, try to, you know, like paint and have a career. But then like I, I didn't go to an art school. So, I mean, if you know anything about fine arts kind of world, it's hard to get into without like knowing people, without having contacts of yeah. your peers, your professors or whatever. So yeah, I had a terrible time doing that. And But while I was doing that, I was, again, like I think after I got a little bit better, I started doing comics again because it made sense uh, so kind of like it happened simultaneously like it was painting and drawing around the same time constantly it's just that there were certain things which I could not do in a painting like and certain things or other certain thing I didn't want to do like I didn't want my paintings to be a narrative or direct narrative they had sure, to sure. Be more conceptual pieces and the narratives had to go somewhere so I would draw comics yeah, and uh, makes sense. Yeah, and also like you know, so again, so some of this is again connected to like local events. Like I remember when I was I think twenty one or something or twenty ish, the Indian Comic Con started, which was like the new like so basically I think now they are owned by the New York Comic Con people, uh, huh. and it's a big thing. But like it's not like there's not a lot of local comics. It's not like you get a lot of push. Like the pipeline from being a comic con to what like the international like what I was heard of like the STCC and the NYCC like now they just showcases for big businesses and like film stars yeah. and like gaming company like the pipeline was incredibly short like I remember first year there there was the whole comic con it was like oh indie artists Indian Indian artists like I was part of that people who we kind of quickly when we found out like, oh, there was something happening, we made a comics and we tried to sell them. Second year, and because like, so, and because it was this, this novelty, a lot of people showed up, like, I think it was close to like a million people, something, some insane number. Well, wow. Which, yeah, but then it didn't turn to sales for almost anybody other than like, sure, sure. the big people. You sure. know, like, so, but then they used these numbers, the football numbers, to pitch it to international publishers. So in a, the second year, like a lot of international publishers came. I think Gary Grott came. A bunch of people came, like Pantographics, a bunch of like, even indie people were there. But like nobody made sales. Like it was insane. Like uh, everybody got, almost went with their like entire inventory. Like I think I, I, there were a couple of, I don't know if it was Pantographics or person six, some, or like some, I think, Vertical, some there were a couple of those stalls where, like, I think I was the only customer, like, the whole day. Like, people would come, go through, and just not buy because obviously, indie comics are a little priced, like, a little higher for people. Yeah. So, there's that whole thing. And, like, since you're not producing for the Indian market, you're probably just bringing it over with you, and the rates are like it's, so, whatever. So, basically, <laughs> the second year was like a like, like, whatever, like, it was. Like you could see kind of like people were not that interested in buying due to, again, n number of reasons. Like the scene wasn't there. Like it was kind of partially artificially created. Like it was more of an event management thing than a, like a something sure, sure. kind of popping up. But then there were people like myself. So I was, so I kept on making comics from there on. I mean, I was making something before that, but like from there on, I was like, oh, this is a medium I can do something with. Mm -hmm. And then kind of along with painting, uh, I kept on making comics and yeah, that's it. Yeah. What is it, you know, I, I have yeah. so much ignorance about what living in India is like, but being an artist in that culture as opposed, like, I think I understand being an artist in America and Europe and generally what's going on, what school is like, the kind of scenes for comics or art, but in India, <clears throat> Is it cool to be a comic artist? Is it looked down upon? Is it shameful? 
what is it like in general? I don't know what schooling is like. Like, what is the ideal? Obviously, it's not like Renaissance era. I, I just have no yeah. concept of it. Yeah, it's very interesting to me. I don't think people even have a concept of what a comic book artist is in general. Like, it's not it's not a thing. It's not a thing in like the popular psyche. Yeah. People do not on the regular like unless you're from like the kind of not even like the bourgeoisie, but like if you are like the you know from the whole cultural elite kind. Of, if you're not in that segment, people aren't reading comics. And even in that segment, it's like, oh, have you read Mouse? Have you read Palestine? Like those kind of like if you have those big names which you kind of tout around, okay, you know, which kind of go around, etc. So there's not a lot in that way. Like if I tell somebody I'm a cartoonist, I'll have to. I mean, they understand like what they associate a cartoonist is like. I think is a political cartoonist where you make a like a yep. one-panel kind of drawing in a newspaper or something. That's what they think it is. Uh, so there's not like a yeah, there's not a whole lot of imagination like in, in relation to being a comic artist. Is there, there a scene, there is, is there a scene per se? Like, how many of you are there that you know? So the scene is kind of slowly again. So I, so after the Comic Con and how like it, like, I'm sorry I keep on going back to like, the history of these things. Yeah. But so basically after the Comic Con, you know, like I think almost two three years became like a more of an event management publicity machine for people. Mm-hmm. Like again, there was a, this whole lull where like a whole lot wasn't happening. People were still trying to do some comics somewhere like. There was another resurgence of superhero comics, etc., and like indie stuff. And there are people who were trying to copy Shonen Jump, okay. like trying to yep. make a magazine of comics. But like a lot of that wasn't working. And I think then, I think then there were like a couple of concerted efforts like about people who were very interested. Like you know, it's it's not that you're in it to make money. It's just us, like people like us, I guess, were just doing it despite. The things that make comics as a industry hard, right? So there were people who kind of sustained through, and uh, one of them, um, shit, I'm forgetting. Basically, I think they called Comics India, like who've done uh, work. They basically, so they've published some comics, and they've now do this thing called the Indie Comics Fest, which is more indie and more comics and they're like more comic creators it's not still very big and again like a big part of it is still like designers and artists you know like illustrators kind of doing their own thing but there is still some sizable chunk so like uh, I mean personally I, I only know like I think 10-15 people in India who do comics which is a lot in a way like and you and we have physically yeah. physically near each other or it's more like an internet relationship uh, kind of thing it's spread out no i think uh we meet whenever there's some fest or some kind of an event happening but it's spread out i i think uh, so again like a lot of people still don't do it as they're like as it's, it's not a job for them it's not like how they are so a lot of people are doing like design work or whatever and then they do comics on the side. I'm, I am I. think from people who are trying to make a living, like I'm, I'm barely making a living, but like still, mm-hmm. like I have something. I think that would be, I think, just maybe 10 people in total. I, I don't think it would be like, so a friend of mine, he's, a, he's now become like a famous comic book artist. Like he's becoming big, like Anand Radhakrishnan won an Eisner last year or something a couple of years back. A couple of those people have now like who are working in those uh, indie mainstream kind of spaces, you know, like Walt Comics and yeah. I don't know if you know Walt Comics. Those that that zone, like, or like doing illustration and writing and those kind of things. There's some kind of those people, and then there is another even smaller section where people like me, we just so there's this one artist I would really want you to look at is Anand Pagal Kutta, like. Basically, he's, he just got published by, uh, um, they do these magazines, I'm forgetting what they're called, 
Oh, he's by the way, he's coming to short run Seattle like as one of the guests, so nice. he'll be there. So like he's one of the we were like there are like a few people who are doing it as a thing. But I think there are people who are interested. There are a, like it's just that the infrastructure is not there. So unless like you know you are very enterprising or you are very um, like obsessive about it, it becomes a little hard. Like I have friends who have lots of ideas, but then it just never happens because they don't have whatever you know these kind of things. For whatever reason, like life reason, material reason, and just that. It, and it makes sense to put life and like other things above doing so, work yeah. in a certain way. Yeah. When it's so different there, because at least here, there's all these conventions, there's all these publishers. They're not that far away. Like going from zero to them is, you know, takes a lot of work, but it's not impossible. But when you're yeah. there, the internet must be the thing, right? Like how else, like with that ambition you had, is there a specific publisher you want to get to? Is there a specific comic convention? Is there a, a goal you had early on? Or were you just like, I want to make a book that's this long? Or was it, was uh, it less uh, intentional than that? No, I think there was an intention, at least when I was much younger. So, uh, like when it all started for me, I remember sending my stuff to Image Comics, etc. Like those kind of, because again, I did not know there wasn't much like for whatever like a teenager who had like didn't have a lot. Of, whatever, how long, how long have you been drawing comics? On and off, I think fifteen years, more than fifteen years. But then it's not like a big output. Like I can't say that it's been a big output. It was usually like when I would try to like every year I would try to make one comic and try to pitch it because. Like you pitch it and then nothing happens, then you give up and you do other things, and then you have an idea and you pitch it right, and right. nothing happens. You know, like it was that. So I remember I sent like a comic to Image Comics and they sent back like a rejection something where, I mean, it was, I, I, I think it's still kind of remarkable and that's why I still remember it. It's like they sent it and they said the comic was weird, but the art style was kind of cool. And I was like, hey, at least like a legit, some authority, like in my whatever 19 year old head. It was like, oh, some, some sort of authority or whatever, like that person on the pedestal likes my art, like, screw it up, they don't like my story, right? like, whatever, my writing, etc. So from there on, like, it was that, but then, I think after a while, like, maybe a few years down the line, I, I realized I just wanted to draw comics, like, it was, uh, it wasn't even about, put, like, I think, it was just about like putting it out there. Um, it's it wasn't about selling. It wasn't about when it basically kind of was not tied to a sense of career. Like I realized, like I was not very interested. Like I don't care that much about being published. Sure, like somebody approaches me, you know, whatever. Like if I like like some publisher or whatever, some anthology, etc. I will go ahead and ask them. But I don't think that's the thing anymore. Like even right now, like I think most of my comics um, are on social media. Like I don't have a uh, separate place, a site where you can download them or whatever. I just there on the social media because it just, I think to me, a big part of it is just making the comic and just having people see it. Yeah. So I think there is some aspect of. I think the, that validation doesn't come from like trying to get like a big publisher or trying to get a whatever like those kind of things. It more it it's, a is more just about like having people see it, and b I think it's also like a little bit about like more about peers. I I don't think I care about publisher in a publishing sense in the sense like to me. Uh, like somebody like an Austin English or somebody like a Gary Groth or like an Eric Reynolds or like these people, they're not, you know, if that makes sense, like it's more like about them being curators rather than publishers. Like I like how, you know, whenever you hear them talk and you kind of hear like the sense of things, that is to me kind of more interesting than what they may end up publishing or something, you know, like, so 
Yeah, so I do reach out to people, people every now and then. Like, obviously, if somebody publishes it, it's great. But to me, it's more about, like, connecting with a sense of some 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 idea of some taste or some idea of some curation like you know having that like if some if i think somebody has some idea of what they believe is good comics well i mean it's, it's subjective but you know what i mean like if it's that zone then or if they have some idea of curation if they're like you know somebody like again Austin or some like these people like who are uh, who are not only doing their own work but they are kind of understand what's happening you know so at what age did you get exposed to, say, Austin's work? Like, at what age did oh, you encounter this American alternative comic? I think it was gradual. Um, I definitely say... Uh, I entered... Sorry. Sorry. Uh, so I think it's... Mm, I think definitely the manga happened before, like alternate manga. So weirdly enough, like I, I read like Seiji Hiyashi and like Sasaki Maki back in the day when they were first published by Picture Box. Mm-hmm. Picture Box, right? Yeah, Dan Dan. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so basically it started from there, I think. And then I think around the same. I think it was around that time a bunch of like these Gekiga mangas were also being translated or yeah. I'm not so sure like the Tatsunis and the I mean majorly the Tatsunis I don't think it was yeah so it was through there I think I kind of started getting into and like some of these things are still like a big part like I think Maki and Hayashi and Suwe and like these people are still very essential to me but like huh, so basically it was around that time in 2011-12 something like that um almost a decade or so back where i started getting into it and obviously uh also weirdly enough uh it was also the comic con like where i met these publishers were like oh something interesting it's not just like it's not like image and dark parts are not the extent of like there is other things. I remember there was Fantagraphics and you know, a bunch of other people. So like it was all, and also I think just through Facebook, I remember uh, getting in touch with like some of these older veteran comic artists. So so I, if you know Tony Salmons, basically like the comic artist from the 80s. Basically, he has had a very in, weird career. Like, doesn't, hasn't done a lot of comics, but also, I think people like Paul Pope, etc. consider him an influence because mm-hmm. of like his line work and his like zany style. It's kind of like interesting. And then there was... Uh, and through him, I, then I met James Romberger, uh, the second artist that he's done a few kind of like very interesting work, published things with, I think, in Antigraphics. Like, so some of these people I kept meeting online. And yeah, so through like just, yeah, again, it was mostly just internet and like around that time, I just saw. And also, I think one thing was there that I realized, like I was not interested in the like the more like weirder shit that I saw, the more I realized that mainstream sensibility wasn't for me. Like yeah. even then, I kind of go back into like the stuff that inspired me even when I was a kid, and like these things were outliers, but they were like stuff like I remember watching Akira when I was, I think, 10 or 11 or something, like, very young. And it appeared on this semi-adult channel just once. And I think I only know, like, through the years, all the artists or whoever I meet, like, Indian people, especially around my age, I think I only met, like, one other person who saw that movie air once. And then it never aired, like... So, like, it was just, like, this, whatever, flash and whatever, like, the fan kind of thing for me. 
or lightning. So is that a, do you feel isolated because of this, or do you feel? No, I, I, I mean, initially sure, because um, like I was always into a little more extreme, like whatever I was into, like death metal, and like I was into Akira and body horror, like, and you know, like even in the superhero category, it was more like. I mean, I wasn't a fast guy, but I was spawn, which is like discount fast in some way, you know. Uh, so it was always a little like, so I realized, yeah, so there was not entirely a feeling on our cast, but for sure, like I realized like the stuff that I'm interested in, a lot of people, even artists, even people who read comics, they weren't, they didn't have that kind of uh, interest. But like I realized, like that whole whatever, like it, it, there was some interest in transgressive works and transgression itself, and like not just. I mean, again, and it wasn't also. It wasn't just an edge lord phase. Like, it wasn't just uh, oh, watch the most fucked up thing. Like, watch, you know, poster like, like the Serbian film. You know, whatever it was, kind of. Like it wasn't just, it wasn't just that it was, it yeah. was something else which was happening. So, in terms of writing in English, you must have a very yeah. good command of the language if you're writing like more poetic text, like you do. Uh, so here's the thing, um, and well, English is basically what we say like a. Not a gift, but whatever, something from the British. So, like, so we were a British colony for the longest time. Yeah. And through whatever their occupation, they kind of like it did kind of become um, like a something of a social currency of a language, like that kind of a thing. Like it was, sure. and obviously also like in India, it's kind of um, since there are many languages, like I think they're officially the eat. Here are all things some thirty odd states, and each state has its own language. So it's a whole other language. Like I can speak like three languages, like three native languages, and you know, and then English. I mean, I'm not fluent in some of them, but like I get by. And I like this is a very common experience in India. So, and then there's a whole thing about like English being something which like a, a social elite. So basically, if you want to have some kind of class mobility or like upward mobility, like whatever, so you kind of English is one of the things you need to possess to have that. I mean, so yeah, so basically it's that. So I am basically like um, from an early childhood, like if you want your child to do well, you put them in an English medium school where basically the English. Like you know, you you learn all. It's not just that you're learning English; you're learning all the subjects. You're learning math, science, whatever, like social studies, everything in English. Yes. So it's it starts from there, and then um, again, I think it was also that, and now kind of I'm finding out that there is a lot of interesting, weird things in regional literature and regional. Uh, you know those kind of things, subcultures. Yeah. But then a lot of this stuff is kind of piled on by the very obvious mainstream stuff. You know, like so. Which I so basically I wasn't interested in a lot of. Also, one of my native languages Hindi, which is also like a dominant not language in North India. And but like if you like you really have to dig hard. To find, like, let's say, if you want to read like something weird or out, like, out there, kind of a novel in Hindi, you have to really you know, work hard. Like, you can't just, yeah, you know, like, you have to know like the right person at the right bookshop or somebody, or like your parents need to have like extensive library of them being readers and you know of the same kind of stuff. Like, it's it's not it's certain kind of gatekeeping, but not really. Like, also has to do with. Again, it's complicated. Like English and the relationship is, or English with in relation to any other language, the the, the relationship is complicated. So yeah, do you, again, do you, like you, I did have yeah. Do you write 
I'm assuming you write these in English first. You're not like translating yeah. them, right? Are you, no, no. is it a practical thing just because you think more people are reading in English or are you, do you find the language more comfortable and beautiful in some sense to write these kind of more abstract poetic phrases within it? Uh, I think it's, it's, yeah, I think it's, yeah, like I just write in English, that's what I do. I think it's just for me, okay. since it's a, I think, yeah, it's just that a lot of the works that I like, like even like the mangas or whatever, right? Like you don't know, read them in their language, you read them in English. So, yeah. and whatever is the translator, whatever that has happened is something else. But besides the point, it's, yeah, so like almost everything which I have read is, uh, did we, sorry, it's fine, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So basically, yeah. So I even think in English most of the time. Like, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's just like the primary language, or whatever, for me at the moment. Yeah, that, that makes so, sense. Yeah. 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 In, in but it is like a, again, like it is like a cultural elite kind of a thing. Like it is, you know, it is a weird situation where I do want to make like comics in Hindi, but then A, the readership, forget like my content, but even if it was a content, like how would you get to those people? And it's not. And weirdly enough, like, you know, it's the demographics can kind of also kind of fuck you up. Like, yeah. unless you're very mainstream in a local languages, like it's very hard for people to kind of, or something, like or have at least a, Mainstream, so you can be like an indie filmmaker in Hindi or in Tamil or in Punjabi. Because film, you know, like from Hollywood and through other whatever regional cinema, film is like a strong medium which is like enough distribution and enough prestige, uh, you know, where you can still do like have an indie voice in a regional thing. And in, in, um, Comics A, there's nothing. Anyway, there's nothing. Like, even in English, there's not a lot. So, right. even in books, it's just, like, I have a few friends who are writers in, like, regional languages, and it's not, like, they get by. Like, that's the, like, some of them excel well, and then they just get back. Like, it's, so, it's like a whole thing, man. Like, it's very hard to, kind of, um... We sorry, I'm just kind of blabbing on, but then a lot of these is like kind of contextual. So yeah. every few years, like you know, some of the people who've been practicing comics, we get together like different sets of people, and we talk about distribution in India because it's such a it's such a like a hellish thing to kind of even try to understand. Where if you want to get any kind of distribution, you have to straight up give them fifty percent of the MRP, and then it's like. And then, like, you don't even know how, what the reach. Like, I'm talking about, like, real distribution, like bookstores and, like, newspaper stands and those kind of things, magazine stands. And even then, you don't know where all your comic is. Like, it's, like, it's a, it's a process that keeps on happening again and again because people are not able to kind of, you know, um, uh, like, figure it out in a very... Like in a very industrial kind of sense. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so one part of me is just that I don't care. Like I think right now I just want to make comics. I don't care if somebody in India is reading or somewhere in Europe or USA or whatever. Just like I'll just make comics, and you know, like I just keep making comics. But there's no, I'm not thinking a lot about the industry of putting it out kind of. Yeah. No, I understand. In respect to the work itself, uh, it's a dark world, kind of twisted, vulgar, gruesome world. Is there a reason you think that? Do you have a particular worldview that you think that's uh, encapsulated in the, the visual language you use? Mm. So, hmm. So in general, I would 
not like I would call myself a decently optimistic person. Like I mm-hmm. do believe things like your medium can change the world. Like be it whatever medium, if it's like you know those kind of things. Like so for me, it's comics and painting or whatever. Like you know, I, I do believe like there's still future. Like those kind of like I'm not so much of a. Uh, just a pessimist, but also not like a complete nihilist in that sense. So it's it's not yeah. there, but at the same time, I think I've always been obsessed with death. Like I remember thinking about and not fearing, not like it being a source of maybe it is a source of anxiety, but not just a source. But I think if it was just a source of anxiety, I think I would have very different relationship with things like death or etc like death and violence but it's not just things like there's something extra so that so a lot of it is I, I think more than me I think more than me like expressing it's like a lot of interrogation like it's a lot of it is figuring out why like um, so the body gets punished a lot in my yeah. Like that's one of the central pieces or whatever. But I think that's just because uh, to me, I think there is something in the body which is where obviously, like, you know, and it's a tradition in body horror, etc. Where you, it's not just about like terrible things. It's about, I think, making us aware of the bodily situation and the bodily circumstances and it's not you know like if you do it well like somebody plucking out their eyebrows feels might feel more painful than somebody getting shot and murdered and which is a mm-hmm. thing right like there is something where you you know if you take a close up of somebody just whatever like doing something like even a like that like plucking eyebrows that feels more painful than if you put it in a very different context like somebody, something like an action film or whatever, you know, where some people are just getting bored down, it has no effect on your body, like you don't have any visceral reaction. So, yeah. there's always like, so, to, so for me, that visceral kind of feeling kind of becomes one of the things that I want to figure out. And at the same time, I think, yeah, I don't have like a great relationship with my body. Like, I, there is a distinction with like I think there's me and there's my mind and then there's a body and there's always like some level of disconnect mm-hmm. in between the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I, I kind of assume that it is for a lot of people, if not everybody, I, I'm not sure, but I think it's something that relationship between uh, the body and the mind and the world also like has to be kind of examined. So, but and then how do you do that? Like, how do you kind of, you know, you can't, um, I mean, obviously one way to do that project would be to figure out like how the mundane and the banal can be very like, like torturous and be punishing. That's something. But the other way also to do is like you'll actually put yourself through things because things keep happening. You know? mm-hmm. Um so, and the world does affect us, like the way you're sitting in a certain situation, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I recently find out about, found out, not recently, like a few years back, I found out about this thing called hostile architecture, which hostile is architecture? like, yeah, so basically it's like public architecture or whatever, architecture in public spaces, where they'll deliberately, deliberately make those public is less usable and much more transitory. So, like you know, park benches where they put like the armrest between the bench. Like, oh yeah, so a homeless person can't sleep on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're in the metro, they'll not like put a seat to sit on, or the seat will be this yeah. terribly like metallic seat, or like whatever. Like, there'll be a bunch of these kind of processes, or yeah. just the idea of like a camera being there, like surveying you, so you feel you know that you're being you know, like, or constantly yeah. observed. So, a number of these things. Antagonistic. But I, yeah, it's kind of antagonistic. It's, it's, it predetermines your, like, criminality in a certain way. But then, 
I don't think it's very, very like different from just the way existing kind of existing in the world can kind of be also. Um, we are very like, you know, it's not just that we are only defined by these extreme things or rather if, if we are defined, like if we are being impressed upon by these extreme things, then it makes sense that the, the even the normal, uh, what we consider the normal is also impressing upon us. So mm-hmm. if a part, if a bench is uncomfortable or like a super, like supremely uneasy or whatever, then there is, there must be something on that level of sensation, you know, from there to, let's say, ecstasy of sex or whatever, or orgasm or eating food or like whatever, you know, there must be some correlation between like, between different points on this spectrum, if that makes sense. Like, it can't just be normal, like, you know, sure, we're used to sitting on a seat, yeah, but... You know, like there's still some sensation kind of, uh, which which is corresponds to the situation. So how do you kind? So a lot of this kind of starts becoming about like the sensation that you're feeling in a space, or um, kind of heightening. A lot of it is me trying to heighten the reality of the thing, like you know. I mean, I wouldn't just say it in a surreal way, but like in some way, surreal in the sense of so and like on top of reality. So it's like a little, it's reality, but like heightened and louder and, you know, so you kind of can understand what's, so you can kind of slightly more easily parse through your experience and your, uh, you know, it just makes it more easier to understand what you're kind of going through. But also, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. living in the world, it's not like, you know, life is a little punished. Like, for most of us, <clears throat> it's not the easiest of things. And so it's a mixed of, I think it's kind of a mixture of both of these things. That life is not so great. It's not terrible, but it's not great. And, you know, you go through a lot of shit throughout your life. Yeah. And with, like, yeah. yeah. I think comics, when comics meet poetry, you often have this this kind of amplification that you're talking about. I think it's a very good medium for that because it's so visual. So sometimes it is yeah. grotesque or hyperbolic. I mean, I was attracted to Spawn as well when I was young. And yeah. Angel Medina, I don't know if you remember that dude. He was like... I Yeah, I know Angel Medina. He started, I think, some six, like after 16 issue or something like that. Like yeah, he's was, late. Uh, after Greg Capullo left, I think. But I was, yeah, I just I, was looking at his work right now and I was like, wow, this shit is crazy. Um, it's yeah. kind of beautiful. I remember being shocked when I was young by that. But yeah, I definitely relate to everything you're saying in respect to even that journey, but also uh, how you're trying to put these things across. And it's interesting for, to me because, um, you know, it seems like you live in your own little world that. And in a good sense, the internet allows you to exist. I feel like it would be really hard, right, to do what you're doing without it. For sure. I mean, even 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 getting the influences of that era, um, that picture box era, which I think is super important. Um, it's just interesting for me to imagine you. Um, a lot of the comics artists I know are like, you know, they're not welcome in society per se, but they're integrated. They have their little groups of people. Um, so it's very fascinating for me to consider your daily life. Your, I don't even know what that's like, uh, but just what it's like to be doing what you're doing in that context. Yeah, I think internet has definitely like, um, I think it's also, and maybe I think like the kind of analog you might find in US or Europe might be like people living in great, really small towns or people, you know, um, where like you're the only person again. Was, it, 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 sorry. Can yeah, you cut out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So the analog I would think be. would be like somebody living in a really small town, which 
which doesn't or which doesn't have a local comic shop or something or if the comic shop is there but it's only DC like it's I know it's not a great analog but something close to it like I have some friends who live like in the countryside of their respective places and it is with their neighbors and their family they're just a person like it's not like they discuss those things but then I think uh, you know early on the forums and like the MIRC chats and those kind of things were integral to a lot of people like uh, I think so yeah like I am from that generation I think you know um, like all throughout um, my whatever artistic career or whatever this journey thing I've always had like enough online friends friends of whatever from everywhere it's also good. in India, like, yeah, yeah, and also, like, within India as well, like, most of my friends are not there, like, right? uh, we meet once a year or twice a year, uh, most of my comic friends, like, most of the yeah. people I like, discuss, so, yeah, so it's, it is always, like, I don't know what I would have done, I mean, mm, I would have still gravitated towards still more transgressive stuff, because even in my life like with like local kind of media i remember being attracted to more extreme stuff so uh so i think that would have, that journey would have happened now obviously it wouldn't have been like this it would have been something else and i might yeah. end up be doing something else because i remember like i've always been obsessive about comics like I knew I wanted to be a cartoonist cartoonist even before I knew what exactly a cartoonist does like yeah I mean I knew the drew but like the other aspects of cartoons like I would have still done it it's just that yeah like that's why like I have to provide a lot of this context stuff it's not just happening like a, it's not a very um, it's specific to me you know like there are like these moments where like something very specific happened and it completely changed my life you know from like looking at those death metal covers in Spawn and Akira and Ghost in the Shell to like the picture box and you know like so but at the same time like these bigger larger like cultural things were also happening around like where which would also kind of decide you know I think the larger cultural thing kind of um, cut out yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, is it? Uh, it, is it? It was like you said the larger cultural, but it, if you can start. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So basically, I think the larger cultural kind of situations or events also kind of shape you. But then I think they're more for most of us. They shape us in a very unconscious kind of a way, right? Like it's not. Uh, you're not explicitly responding to them. You just just because of the economy and the material conditions and the change of trends, etc. Like whatever, you know. Like uh, so, yeah. I think it's a mix of those two things. Like it's something very specific thing that that happens to you, but also like these huge historical. I mean, they're not historic. Like they're not huge in the sense of what we think of history. It's weird, but they are huge. Like when something happens, you know, like if it's changing, even like lives of like you know, like I said, like the introduction of something like a cartoon network or whatever. That's like a yeah. huge thing. It changes like the way people are going to think about art, or comics, or cartoons, or whatever, or even like as simple as consume what kind of media they consume. Sure. See, so, yeah, it's it's a combination of these two things, like very specific and then like really broad. Well, I also assume I assume your process isn't um, explicit or rational, right? Like, I, it's, it feels like it's made from a pretty subconscious place, and you just move forward. I'm not sure if you sketch out books in their entirety, but it feels to me like they're they're very immediate, that they're kind of panel by mm-hmm. panel. Yeah, they are mostly panel by panel, or rather. Um, 
I think they're like so. Mm. It's uh, yes, definitely not a whole book at once. I don't think I can do that. Like that's just not. Like at maximum, I have like a broad outline. Like oh, this is the thing that's going to happen. Yeah. But then, if I think I also get incredibly bored uh, with doing something very straight up, where I know like the task yeah. at hand completely. So even if I, I and I do for some comics, I do have an outline. Uh, but then, like I think the the then the process becomes to kind of subvert it in some way. So every time, like I have to kind of mm, stub myself a little bit or stub my toe. Like there has to be some conscious, subconscious, like stubbing of the toe constantly while you're trying to walk towards like. A, a certain point, and yeah, so I've done like other than like coming out the whole thing, which by the way I've done earlier, but then I realized it never worked for me because I would by the end of the comic I would get bored of the comic. Yeah, I relate to that. I, yeah, I did it. I did that for like a decade, and like it didn't occur to me like I could have. Like so, and I will also do these things where I would do like these twenty-four hour comic things, and I would do like the whole twenty-two page breadth the cover and all that. So, and I used to immensely enjoy them, but I was like, oh, it's just a once-in-a-year activity. I just like it didn't occur to me I can just do that normally, like just make a comic on the go, uh, which eventually I figured out. But like again, uh, so now it's uh, the process is. Yeah, like so. The uh, the idea is to kind of keep on interrupting myself as I try to do something, and like not in a Sisyphean kind of way, so that mm-hmm. you know you're like pushing a boulder like up a mountain, but more like you have to like if you can't uh, like. In trying to like, there's not a lot of in like. I don't have a lot of interest in making it obvious or under like easily. Uh, I mean, that's not the point. Like, I'm not trying to make it deliberately, or maybe I am. Like, there is some deliberation, and some of it is subconscious. Where I am trying to make it not as obvious, but I think that's to kind of eke out like the subjective reading experience. You know. Yeah. Uh, like the more streamlined something will be, the more like wedded in tropes or like cliches. And I, I don't think tropes and cliches are bad. I use them myself. But like the more like embedded these things are, the more uh, uh, flattened kind of experiences. Like you have to be a good reader to read a mainstream in an odd way. Like to you know, like does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. you have to be. You have to like the reading then has to become inventive if you have to read something mainstream. Here, what I'm trying to do is like I'm trying to figure out on the subjective experience myself, but also yours, like you, whatever, like you know. That again, you also will have specific things to you, which yeah. are very specific things to you, and almost like not, nobody else. And then you are also shaped by larger historical, yeah, yeah. social context. So I think it's some of it is conscious, and again, some of it is just me trying to kind of stub myself. Yeah, what I found was difficult with processes like that is, is knowing when you succeeded and when you failed, because it's a little more uncertain. Um, you know, and sometimes you just default to, "Well, I sold a bunch of books, so it has to be good," but that doesn't really work for certain kinds of books. I don't think. And only you know, in a mysterious way, I think, where you're trying to be clear and where you're trying to obfuscate things. And mm. so that I found that to be the real challenge is like not lying to yourself. You know, there's ways to clearly communicate something that is unclear, if that makes sense. And if, if that's what you want to do with that panel, that's what you're, you know, that's your goal you can't lie to yourself when you end up with a result that's kind of mushy and in between. Yeah. It it makes, yeah, fully agree actually. I mean, hmm. yeah. And and I think 
whenever you're trying to do something like this, honesty, like uh, whatever that means, you know. Um, Quar- for me, it's clarity. Very, yeah, clarity. Clarity, honesty, being yeah. earnest in your things. Like, I think it's very, very important. You can't be, like, you can't be, you can be ironic to the world, but you can't be ironic to yourself. Like, you cannot have, like, a... Yeah some level of filter between you and the world. Like, it has to be as... Not immediate, like, I'm not saying immediate in that expressionistic sense, I'm saying, like, more like... You have to know your intent, you have to know, like... Again, all of these are very... The thing thing about discussing these things, all of these are very vague words. Like, what does intent mean? What does honesty or, like, clarity? Like, it's not... But then you know, I think that's the thing. Like, uh... Yeah, I think I know. I, it's not easy to explain, but you know when you're cheating. Um, yeah, like you know where, like this panel, a you've are you know like you've drawn this panel because it just looks cool, or like because it was easier to draw. Like yeah. you know, like oh, I found a cool composition while trying out something. Let me just do it, and then you know so. And sometimes it also works. Like, that's the thing. The problem with that is sometimes that also works. Like, sometimes all you have to do is, like, find a cool-looking panel or a cool-looking page, and that's about it. Like, it's not, you know, uh, it's not more than that in that aspect. But then how do you play? Yeah. So I think that is the more tricky part that you kind of have to... And for that also, like, I like to keep on interrupting myself. Like... I can't be, like, the only time when I'm kind of, um, like, you know, when I'm kind of just, like, doing the thing is while I'm, like, doing some detail inking or, like, hatching or, like, like, that's the only time when I'm not, when I have, like, I'm listening to some, like, podcast or listening to, like, some song or whatever. But that's the only time, like, all the other time I'm thinking, like, it's constant, like, uh, and even, like, rather, even, like, <clears throat> I'm sure it must have been an experience for yourself as well. Like, I've done comics where I've just then discarded, like, tens and, like, twenty, whatever, like, n number. Like, I have comics where I've discarded, like, a whole comic just because I realized, like, it wasn't, it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then you have to, like, start from the beginning. So, it's it's always, it's a very... It is a tiring process um, because, yeah, you never know. Like, till the last moment or whatever, it's very, very hard to know. And it's not also just about, like, oh, trust in yourself and have beliefs because it's not about beliefs. Sure, some of it, maybe, but not sure. But, uh, But I think that is, like... If you're making a mainstream comics, the tough job is not to make the comic. It is to understand what a mainstream taste is like, what the demographic is like, what, like, you know, like these, what are you, what is the zeitgeist like, you know, like Mm -hmm. it is, like these are important things. It's not an, it's not important to make like a three structure movie or a comic. That's sure. That's a skill point. have to do it to whatever for whatever reasons, but the more more important thing in like making a mainstream comic is trying to figure out the zeitgeist and trying to figure out like the trend or like what the trend might be. Like that is where the real work is in 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 in, in trying to meet people in their universal kind of a sense, right? Like where you experience a thing almost as the same way as any random XYZ person. That's where, right, right. like, that's actually the real work in a mainstream kind of way. For us, I think it is, the work is to meeting ourselves and to meet the other person, you know, that the other specific way, like, where the way you're, like, experience a thing in that specific way, nobody else can. Like, so the way you are making a comic or you're reading a comic or you're watching a film or making a film, Nobody else in that specific way can do it like you. Like, they can't read the thing like you. They can't make the thing like you. They can't interact with the thing like you just because of your specificity. 
So, so I think in indie that like in any kind of an art, not just in indie space, but like whatever we are doing, I don't know what that means, man. But like <laughs> this, uh, so it is that specific thing that we can. I think that's the real work. Like, or rather, that's the shared bit of the real work. Sure, I'm making a comic, and it's about body horror, and it's about you know, um, uh, like poetry and world, and like how the world affects you. But like at the same time, it is like if I look at it broadly, it is about like trying to figure out um, how do you or how am I interacting with the world at large in my specific way. So how do you kind of express it? If you're meeting the world at large in a specific way, it cannot be, in some sense, ordinary. I mean, it will be, but in some sense, it can't be ordinary. In some sense, it can't be a repetition of the old. Like, you know, it can't be, like, something new. Like, again, new not in a... Um, not in the sense of novelty. Yeah. But new in the sense of just the sun, like it just hasn't occurred before, like just in that very very basic sense. Mm -hmm. So, how do you? So I think that to me is like the main thing. Like how do you keep on? And of course you'll fail, and that's fine. I think. Uh, because also it doesn't have to be new to the world; it just has to be new to you in that way. Like you know, like it will be new to the world in some way, but. If you're doing something which is weirdly enough new to you, um, you you're, you're some not halfway there, but you're somewhere there. You're like on the way there. You're on right. the way. You know. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. So that's I think that's what is the process is like. No, no. I think that makes sense. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. No, awesome. Awesome. But thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Music by Dory Bavarsky and Ming Jichen. Next up, we have Trevor Baird. Have a good week. <laughs>